to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. Bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby. Sharing ideas to make the game better. This episode of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast is proudly brought to you by Rocky Analytics. Rocky Analytics is providing significant value to teams by giving players and coaches a transparent, non-biased way of measuring player performance. Coaches and players can identify strengths and weaknesses, as well as measure performance gains and losses week to week using their analysis. Send Rocky a copy of your game and they will do the heavy lifting. Rocky is the future of sports analytics. Find out more on Rucky.com, R-U-C-K-I-E.com, or look for them on LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube. All right, welcome to episode 79 of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. I'm your host, Andy Plymer, and joining me today is Kendrick Lynn. Born and raised on a dairy farm in New Zealand, Kendrick played his rugby with Southland, the Highlanders, Bay of Plenty, a short stint with the Chiefs, and also represented New Zealand in sevens. He moved to France in 2014 to play for Lyon and has been part of their coaching staff since 2016. He's also a physical education teacher and it's a pleasure to have him on the show. So welcome, Kendrick. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no worries. Cheers. Um, so before we before we get stuck into the interview, um, you know, what, what's what's the situation like uh, in France in terms of the, the COVID lockdown uh, for you personally and, and on a rugby level, what, what are some of the initiatives that Lyon's taking to support their coaches and athletes during this time? Yeah, obviously, um, she's, she's pretty um, trying times for everyone at the moment. We're into our second week of a full um, confinement or lockdown in the country and um, we, we actually need a, a form that we print off online where we need to cross the right box of the reason we're leaving our house with the date and the time with our ID um, and there's only certain reasons, for example, getting essentials, or, uh, essential work and, and things like that. So um, fortunately, we've got a house for our kids to run around because mm. I know for others it's, it's, it's even harder who, who are in apartments, which many people are here in France. Mm. Um, in terms of the sport-wise, yeah, really hard having to deal with that. And, yeah, the main priority was just making sure everyone was healthy and um, everything after that was a secondary um kind of thing and so we once we understood what, what what we needed to do and everyone was going to be confined to their house uh, we had a few zoom meetings with the whole squad and with yep. staff and just to make sure everyone was okay and, and understood um, the seriousness of the situation and then um, we went about finding out what each guy's individual situation was going to be whether it be a house or with a yard or an apartment and, and what kind of things they had at their disposal in terms of, of keeping fit really and then from there it's just been a matter of keeping in constant contact with the guys just to make sure everything's going okay for them and their families and mm. and the mental health kind of things and, mm. and that kind of mess but that's the most important thing we're putting a lot of onus on as a, as a coaching staff and as a club just keeping in touch um, and then, uh, you know, with that, just the, our trainers are keeping in touch with the guys as well and just making sure the guys understand just to keep keep ticking over and, and have little programs that they can do with what they have at their disposal. Yeah. Yeah, and that's so important too, just from the mental health and well-being uh, to keep exercising, not just to sit on your couch, but uh, but to keep the, keep the motor running. That's right. And, I mean, all the guys are really keen to um, – 
to, to be in touch and, and, to, and to ask lots of questions and to find the, the, the most efficient ways to keep fit and in shape, for, yeah, basically just for their own their own mental health and well-being and everyone in their families getting into it as well. It's not just them. And, and, and then hopefully if, if there is that small chance that we might be able to get a competition at some stage, then um, they'll be as, as ready as possible really to, to get back into training. Okay, well um... – Touched a little bit on your rugby backstory in the in the intro. Can you can you give us a bit of a rundown there? How'd you how'd you start up and uh, how'd you progress through your, your various uh, age grades and things like that? Um, yeah, well, I played a lot of sports when I was young, and I wouldn't have definitely wasn't wasn't really an age grade standout or star. Um, probably played more cricket than rugby, to be honest. But then yeah. I went down to study at um, University of Otago down in Dunedin and um, played a bit of club footy there. And um, really enjoyed it. Actually, had one year. Um, our coach was Richard Shuttleworth, who you've had on your pod. Yeah, home. yeah, I knew when I saw oh, you went to Otago that, that I was going to ask about him. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we had him, and um, really enjoyed my time. And basically, from there, once I, I, I got my degree in, in physical education, and it was just actually as I was going for my last exams, I got asked if I wanted to come down and have a go for Southland down in the ITM Cup. So yeah. Um, my now wife Rebecca, I was dating at the time, was she's from there, so I, I was I was pushing that direction from her family and, and went down, gave it a go, and then yeah, played played for Southland and and then managed from there to to make New Zealand sevens, um, which really helped me uh, eventually pushing on to to Super Rugby and with the Highlanders. So um, yeah, I managed to to forge a, a reasonable career in New Zealand before heading over to France. Yeah, cool. That's awesome. That's uh, you know some good. You would have been around some great coaches too, which no doubt you'll you'll touch on later on when we get to that point. And you know Richard Shuttleworth uh, was is a perfect example of one there too. So yeah, so well, how how did you end up getting into coaching? Um, no no doubt being a phys ed teacher had had a bit to do with it. Um, yeah, well when I actually was playing for Southland, it was really only semi pro, and so I spent the most of my years teaching at one of the schools there. Yeah. I really enjoyed that side of things. I spent a year as well working for Southland as their rugby development officer where I'd go around all the schools in the region, right. um, just working with the kids and, and, and coaching. And so I'd already had a taste of it then, which I, mm. I really, really enjoyed. Um, ever since I was 18, I kept a little black book um, with just <laughs> ideas and um, methods and things like that of coaches that I had had in, in, around my career and just noted it all down. I don't That's know, great. Really, I just thought it would be interesting, and um, yeah, as I was kind of coming, my, my knees were pretty busted when I got to France. I was on a bit of borrowed time, and in my last year of playing, actually, our um, backs coach was Scott Wisemantle. Right. Okay. And um, he had kind of asked the question, you know, what do I think about doing when I finished? And I said, well, you know, consider coaching. Not sure if it'd ever be the avenue. And he was leaving the next year um, after that, and we had an opportunity. We had a new coaching staff come in. And he, he um, I think, you know, uh, put the idea out there to the new coaching staff that came in mm. um, that made, it could be an option. And that just so happened the year after that, they were looking to expand their staff. And um, I ended up having to basically have an operation on my knee, which is really a career ending. And so I still had half the season to go. And the head coach at the time, Pierre Mignoni, just asked if I wanted to basically go on trial. Um, he was interviewing other coaches at the time um, and, and maybe with the thought of, of bringing me on the next season. Mm. And so as still as a team, I just started helping him out. And, and from there, I um, yeah, he offered me the role. Um, so I actually went straight from in the same team playing to, to coaching the, the very next year. Um, so it was a pretty pretty fast transition, um, but um, I've, I've absolutely loved it. Um, 
yeah, ever since. So that would have been challenging because you got you know, you're going to have to have some pretty tough conversations with guys who might have been more senior than you in the club, and you know, guys you were mates with. Um, how, how how was that in that first year? Yeah, it was. It was really challenging. We had some guys like Fred Michalak and Julian Bonier, guys who yeah. were you know my age, if not older than me, and with you know just world class experience mm-hmm. and players and. Um, I think I was I was helped by Pierre. Pierre's a, a really uh, he's a good head coach. Um, he runs a, a pretty strong cutter, and so a lot of the hard conversations in my first year were had by Pierre, mm. um, and it allowed me to go about my work. I just tried to really just work as hard as I possibly could to mm. gain the respect of the guys in that way, um, just to show them that I was doing everything I could to, to make them better players and. And, and and help the guys win and and become better yeah you know better better as individuals as well so um, there was definitely some interesting times because at the mm. same time my French was kind of pretty average as well mm. I'd been I'd been in the country for two years and it's it's a pretty complicated language to learn yeah. um, when I first arrived as a, we had Australian coaches like Scotty and we also had Tim Lane when I first arrived yeah, so yeah. there was a lot of English getting spoken so my French was a little behind but. I just threw myself in the deep end and and, and just did as all the all the sessions in French or what would have been pretty terrible pigeon yeah. pigeon French as it was, but um and, and just and just kind of went from there and just did as little as little. I, I try not to change who I was, especially um, from what I was as a player. Just stayed the same, but just a different role. Yeah, yeah, and that would have gone a long way, no doubt. Um, so. Now, now that you're in the coaching game and you you look back, um, who who have been you know some of those you've mentioned a bunch of quality coaches there. Who who have been some of the biggest influences uh, on you as a coach so far in your career? And and what was you talked about your black book there? What were some of the big lessons that uh, you got from certain coaches? Uh, um, well, I'd say one of the obviously Scotty Wiseman, who I still keep in touch with now. Mm. Um, he's been really good. Um, when I first got the opportunity to possibly trial as the coach of the team, I was injured. And I asked to fly back to New Zealand early for Christmas, and I spent a week with the Highlanders because I I played with Tony Brown um, right. 2010 and got to know him that way. And he was coaching the Highlanders at that stage, and I followed him for a week, and it was just outstanding. Um, it really confirmed to me that it was something I'd love to do, and mm. he just got a, such a great way of looking at the game. Um, constantly looking to grow and innovate. Um, he really loves trying things out mm-hmm. and had a really good rapport with the players. And so that helped me so much. And so, um, yeah, they are two of, the, two of the bigger guys that, uh, you know, that, that have really helped form me into who I'd like to, you know, uh, to be a coach I'd like to become eventually. And, um, yeah, I mean, with the, with the Black Book, um, yeah, I mean, the interesting thing about the Black Book was a lot of actually drills and exercises and things mm. that I don't actually use that more but it definitely just did give me a little bit of a guidance um, as to how guys um, coached and things like that I mean I had another kind of person who you know I had three months with the Chiefs at the end of my career before I flew over France at that stage we had Wayne Smith coaching and yeah. um, you know he was just fantastic I'd heard a lot about him and it was really all confirmed when I got the chance to be coached by him and he's also his family's from the same little town as my family in New Zealand oh, cool. so 
get a little special something there. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Cool. Yeah, Wayne Smith is definitely a guy I'd love to have a chat with, and and he's he's one from the Pierre Villepereau school, um, uh, which you know, coaching now in France uh, must be interesting. I, I've really liked watching the French national team this season. I thought they were they were um, playing. You know that French rugby evolved uh, to a point. Um, what uh, what what have you seen like in in terms of that that French style that that maybe someone like uh, Wayne Smith picked up uh, and really grabbed onto? Yeah, well, I guess like some of the things you were seeing a bit more with the French team was their ability to keep the ball alive and, yeah. and playing a little bit more that was in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just seeing the space and playing to the space and and using a good variance between their playing, you know, ball in hand or their kicking game, yeah. playing behind or through or around teams, all those kind of things that that Ville uh, Pro was really big on. And, and Wayne Smith, obviously, especially Wayne Smith, with just his ability to impart on players, just the you know the the importance of decision making and problem solving, mm. um, not actually just giving you straight answers, but 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 asking the right questions and, and getting you to come to the right kind of conclusions yourself was just such a big part of it. And, and um, yeah, I think you can see that now. That I mean, the French team right now really do have a a good group of players coming mm. through. Systems yeah. starting to get a lot better, um, and so really, what well, they've had like. 10, 12 years of pretty like underperforming really, yeah. but I think now they're starting to get their act together. Yeah, still got to get that discipline sorted out though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Game, like yeah, yeah, it's like I thought it was tough being a Wallabies fan, but you know, being a French fan, and it must be tough when those uh, little little moments happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, cool. Um, all right. So on to your role at uh, Lyon, you, you've got a pretty. We were talking uh, before we hit record. You got a pretty interesting role at Lyon. You, you're not actually. You, you actually, you know, walk both sides of the street in terms of attack, defence, turnover, those kind of things. Can you talk a little bit about your role in general? Yeah, for sure. Like, um, I mean, my, my role specifically is the backs coach, um, which I really enjoy. And so I have my group of backs to, to work with. And, but also between Pierre and myself um, and our other forwards coaches, we, we cover off all parts of the game, um, both sides of the ball, as you say, attack and defence. And, and that's kind of shown with our, our training week. So we don't really have days dedicated to certain parts of the game. Every kind of training will be looking to tick off all parts, um, whether right. it be attack, defence, or, or, or the transition between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a kind of broad role, and it's it's really great because you do get to upskill in, in a lot of areas, and it, it does mean that we do have a pretty coherent kind of way of, of doing things within the team because um, we're all seeing the same pictures ideally, and and all discussing things, and there's not guys working off in their, in, in their own corner. Yeah, cool. I really like that. That um, you know, the, what's the philosophy behind having training sessions uh, where you where you all parts of the game are being checked off every every session? What's the philosophy behind that? Well, I guess it's just trying to make it as realistic as possible. Yeah, uh, we're really trying base our trainings to make it as game like and specific to what the guys are going to encounter on the mm. Saturday, and so. Um, whether that be, you know, you might have a slightly more focused um, attack, you know, session on attack, but mm. you'll be turnovers within that, and then we'll just let it play out, um, yeah. play out the errors, and, and play out the mistakes, and fall to ground, and just and let it develop, and and let things emerge, and you know, into themselves, and so the guys can find solutions to what happens. So. Um, yeah, it's the same with our coaching as well. The fact we don't have set kind of roles um, in terms of the broad attack and defence; it's just kind of done between us and 
um, hopefully that makes it a little bit more fluid for the guys during the week. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. I love it. It's, uh, it's pretty. Uh, it seems it seems more more original than than maybe in other. If you go over to other clubs, they'd have a, a more designated kind of demarcation of duties there. So I, I really like that. I think that's great. And what, what if someone was to come and watch one of your your sessions where you're 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 coaching the entire team? What what what's some of the things they're going to see and hear during say a twenty minute session with you? Um, well, hopefully I'll, there'll be a fair bit of games involved, um, yeah. fair bit of chaotic movement, everyone kind of, you know, in movement at pace, not too much standing around and mm-hmm. ideally you wouldn't hear too much from me. Um, I tend to let, want to let the guys kind of, yeah, you know, just, just set an environment where the guys can find their own solutions to problems that are posed, put little constraints on them in terms of the rules and, and the players and, and to try and to try and work out exactly what we're trying to get out of the session. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, hopefully a bit of laughing. I'm not sure. Yeah, it'll depend on what stage of the season or what the weather's like. <laughs> <laughs> but in general, I tend to try and just hold back in terms of what I'm what I'm saying from my coaching um, until the end, or only in certain times, or maybe just quickly with individuals mm. uh, um, to coach them on the go. Yeah. And then, and ideally, the guys are kind of given the doing the main bit of the coaching themselves at the end. Um, so yeah, we try and use as much games and, and chaos and and that kind of thing as possible. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's uh, that's uh, right up my alley. So yeah, if I, if I'm in France, I'll definitely uh, knock on your door. Yeah, you'd be welcome, mate. <laughs> awesome. Um, and what, what what about uh, what about when you when you got the backs? How do you? We we talked a little bit about this uh, before the interview. Um, you've got some pretty cool stuff around how you you know your philosophy on building a back line and and set plays and and the values of that back line what what could you talk a little bit more about that yeah well i guess it's quite a cool being uh, having an overall broad kind of coaching role but also having the backs and that we can form our own kind of our values and our group and and um really nail in what we're trying to achieve as a you know as a back line because that's the key so we're all seeing the same pictures and understand how we want to attack the space when we see it and yeah we've got two or three key values that we have and i tap into those values every week and for example, that's how I'll base my reviews. When we do a backline review on a Monday, it'll be that game will just be tapping into each of our values, and if we see them and how they how they manifest themselves in the game. Yeah. And then also, I'm having my key stats I use with the backs as well, just around those values. So it's really just reinforcing them, and just making sure we're living them all the time. And so with the trainings, the same kind of thing. I'll be basing the trainings around the game. Um, and then within that, adding in different kind of rules and uh, tr- tr- trying to get the guys to come up with their own ways to, to, to do things. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's really cool. We've got a really good bunch of guys. Um, we've started adding in different special. One of the best sessions we have is on Tuesday afternoons. And what used to be a video session of a review of the training, now that, that only lasts five minutes. And now it's more about um, the guys get up and get to speak about themselves. Um, get to speak about things they've learnt during the week and it's just kind of like a general session of just getting to know each other better on a deeper level and I think it's one of the really important things here in France because you underestimate that there's so many different cultures here mm. there's Indians and English and Fijians and Kiwis, Aussies, Africans and French and yeah. so you, you really it's, it's, it's a little bit harder to understand where guys have come from and why they play the game and so we spend a lot of time on that um, and and try and bring that all around the full circle into why we play for each other with those values. Oh, that's cool. I love that stuff. Um, what? Uh, just going back a bit to first phase and and 
gamifying it? How how do you how do you set up kind of some what, what would be some games based stuff that you do, but where you're also focusing on on first phase attack for your backs? Um, well, we with our first phase attack, I tend to just give the guys a bit of a menu um, of options, but their menu's only used because really it's the yeah Leon's the food capital of France, so it's just a kind of a good way to to put it on paper. And from there, mm-hmm. it's all about understanding what the moves are or having options off that move depending on where the, the, that, that set pace might be, how the defence is set up, who's defending where. Mm-hmm. And so often we'll kind of we'll start a game, whatever that might be, a Fiji touch or a baller touch, something like that, with a set play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we might throw... Different to the defenders, I might be able to, I might get them to defend in different positions straight off to give different pictures. Yeah. Um, also, might I might ask the um, the attacking team to have to try and score off a kick or um, just little things like that, just to get it going, and then from there we'll roll straight into a game. Yeah, yeah, I I love doing that stuff. I also like playing around with the defense and and you know maybe telling the ten twelve to shoot up and the thirteen to hold back or to to slide out wide to see if they recognise that space, um, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Um, all right. So um, you, you've been playing and coaching in France since uh, 2014. Um, for for people who you know haven't haven't experienced French rugby, can you can you explain a little bit about how it's different, how it would differ to to say New Zealand, um, and you know what are what are some of the things that you came across or still come across now that are you know very unique to French rugby. Yeah, it's honestly it's a crazy place. Eh? It's a fantastic place to be involved with rugby. It's somewhere I always wanted to be. Mm. Um, the culture is just so strong here with the footy, and and so with that, what's really cool is you get such like within say say if I'm talking about the top fourteen, you have as opposed to say the Super Rugby, you have so many different styles of play. Yeah, right. So whether that be the difference between Claremont um, or Toulouse, pretty free-flowing, fast, rushing Metro compared to the teams like Cast or, or Argen, um, even Toulon who are pretty frontal and pretty physical, it can really vary from team to team, mm-hmm. from region to region. Um, so you get that real difference. And you also one of the really cool things with, with France, it's, it's – the, the supporters are just outstanding, and so you get cool. these these crowds who are just intense, and the, the the bands are going. And you know, sometimes some of the things you come across, like we we had a big game against Cast recently, and they were in a little bit of problems relegation kind of area, and mm-hmm. so that just spices the game up so yeah. much when you get promotion relegation over here. And so even though they're down the bottom of the table, they for their livelihood, and it really added an extra element. And I mean, we couldn't even get our bus into the ground. Because the supporters blocked us off. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and uh, Good job. the flag, yelling yeah. us and banging the bus. And yeah, nice. At the time, well, but when you look back on it, it's just what makes it so interesting. It's so colourful. Um, I mean, I guess one of the one of the other hardest things, though, you find here is it's a little bit like there's a little bit more uncontrollables, mm. and that's to say that you know sometimes with away games, a little you, you do feel like you don't get as much of the rub of the green with the ref, or maybe right. they're just the crowd is really influencing or getting up that home team a little bit extra. Um, sometimes that can be frustrating as a coach where you feel like you've done everything you possibly could to prepare the team and, and some things don't go your way. But then at, at the same time, that probably happens the inverse when you're playing at home. Mm. Um, it's just one of the beauties of the game over here. Um, but, you know, the guys are, are super passionate as players. That You know, they really get behind it and, 
and um, you know they love the rivals. You, yeah. you have always have good battles with certain teams, and and, that, and so it's it's really interesting. I, I really love it. Like I, I find some people can sometimes come over and see things, and it's done differently, and it's not how it's done in New Zealand or Australia, yeah. and it's. But it's the worst um, thing you can do. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. By the time, the best thing is to just appreciate it for what mm. it is, and and there are some things that translate. And I think, especially the last few years, the French game has really adapted. It's got faster. The mm. ball and plays higher. Um, they're working a lot more on their catch pass and their ball movement, like they used to, and and so that's made it really interesting and and really cool. And you know, like it's it's got so much potential here, um, really, with the amount of players, um, just the facilities they have the money that's in the game mm. and the passion as well around. So it's a, it's an interesting place to be and it's an interesting place to coach as well because um, I feel like it's a little bit, it's it, sometimes it's about the players we're getting here, it's about breaking bad habits almost. Right. Um, a, a lot of the systems I've had in terms of the youth development, it's a lot about it. It's the opposite of what you think of France. It's more about attacking the man rather than the space. And so when you do get guys, you sometimes you just need to like break them back down and understand what you're trying to do. It depends on your team to team, but it also means there's a lot of room for improvement. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of space to really get great growth with guys. And um, so it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, one of the things for me for French rugby that, that stands out is, well, a couple ones is like, that that willingness to just play really positive rugby and keep the ball alive and you know offload uh, you know as often as possible and then the other one is not being able to win away from home and you, you touched on that a bit and I was hoping you you would have worked out the formula on how to do that but it doesn't sound like you have. Um, well, to be honest, we've, we've gone okay as, as a team, um, yeah. and I think it's, it's a general mindset that is changing in France pretty right. rapidly. Awesome. So when I first arrived in 2014, it was definitely there, and it was a real shock, and it is for a lot of the foreigners, because mm. uh, you just get the impression sometimes that the guys just aren't up for an away game, but yeah. now it's definitely not like that. Away yeah. games are viewed exactly the same as home games. Um, they're prepared just as hard or if not harder in a lot of cases, mm. um, and, and so it is changing. You're seeing more and more away results. Um, but I, I remember reading a really interesting article about that actually, because I, when I first arrived, I was like, "Man, what is what is going on here?" But <laughs> and, and I remember reading that when you know rugby when it was first getting getting going in, in France way back in the amateur days, when um, teams players used to play for their local village, yeah. and it was all about defending the, the the clock chime. So basically, you defend the area as far as you could hear the church bells go. Right, right. And, you know, just defend that to death, kind of yeah, thing. Basically, yeah. like it. it was a real bloodbath when the local village would come in and play, and so they still have that thing of just like on your turf you just you know you 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 put everything out there to defend your turf and that's why as well it is so hard to win away because Mm -hmm. teams are just so up for it in their home games yeah cool what about coach development about you developing yourself what are what are some of the things that uh, you've been able to do while you've been in Lyon and you know what what are some of the cool experiences you had with that yeah, the club's really open to, to letting us get out and, and, and develop personal development and, and professional. And so I've, every year I've been able to get back to New Zealand and, and spend time with the Super Rugby team. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's been fantastic. Um, just recently, uh, about five, five six months ago, um, myself and our GPS man went over and spent some time with Saracens to learn. A lot of the coaches are always trying to get out and about. And we, we also have a good um, – we, we, we get along well with the local basketball team here, um, right. who are really good. They're, they're owned by Tony Parker, and and the football team here, OL, are really good as well. And so we, 
we exchanged with them. Um, we had a really good exchange with the French basketball national team as well, actually, as, as a coaching staff. So we do that as much as possible. Um, we, we had planned to have the French um, sevens team train with us uh, last week um, in preparation for our game against Toulouse, but obviously mm. that's, that's off now. So, yeah. yeah, everyone's really open-minded and looking to grow as much as possible. Okay, cool. You mentioned other sports there. What have, what have been some of the things you've been able to take away from sports like soccer and basketball? Um, yeah, well, when, especially just the, the way the coaches go about the communication and, and their ability to see space mm-hmm. and how the players move into space. We watched the French basketball team train um, one time. and It was really impressive in terms of that and, and the guys reacting off each other and, and creating space for each other. Um, and definitely, they, it was just talked about as well that one of the things I got from the French natural coach um, was just how simple his game plan was. Mm-hmm. And he just had it was he, he just tried to strip everything back, um, mm. right back to the basics, and you see that often the higher, higher you go, the higher level, the simpler it is. And so I, I really took a lot from that, yeah. Yeah, that's good to see that transferred, you know, because you hear that in rugby as well, that it's a simple game. So, yeah, oh, that's awesome. All right, Kendrick, uh, we, we always uh, finish the show with the same final four questions. When you were, uh, when you were a kid growing up in New Zealand, who were, who were some of the players that you, you first saw and said, wow, that's, uh, I want to I wanna play rugby and this is why? Yeah, uh, actually, one of the first I remember was Philippe Salah, and it's kind of strange that it ended up in France. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, yeah, he actually, when I was looking to come here as a player, he actually rang me because he's the director of rugby at Argentine, awesome. and it was one of the greatest days of my life. <laughs> That's great. That's <laughs> uh, awesome. I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't get there, but um, yeah, I loved him. I loved that French team in the late eighties, yeah, um, and early nineties. And then after that, especially being a Kiwi, I just loved Christian Callan. I had a poster yeah. of him um, up on my wall in my bedroom. Um, so yeah, that, that are the two of the guys that I, you know, growing up made a big impression on me. Yeah, I don't have many favourite All Blacks, but but he's definitely my favourite All Black. Yeah. <laughs> no, just joking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, he's he's excellent, Christian Cullen. I, I loved watching him play. It was uh, he's just silk. It's uh, awesome. Yeah. yeah. And what about now? Who are some of the players uh, going around that you like watching? Um, I'm a big fan of Damian McKenzie. Yeah. Um, I, I like that he's just a you know a little fella who's come through mm. um, from Southland, and that's where I played for a long time as well. It looks like he's enjoying himself all the time yeah. and smile on his face when he kicks and. I think he's genuinely one of the players at the moment um, that people really like would actually pay to go and see and go and watch mm. a game live mm-hmm. or switch on the telly because he's playing. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really important for the game since that I just play off the cuff and not be afraid to try things. So, yeah, he's um, yeah, I'm a big fan of the way he goes about it. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, great to watch for sure. All right, and what about coaches? Who are some of the high-profile coaches that you, you, you look up to and, and you know have taken a lot away from them? Um, yeah, obviously, um, two of the big ones would be Tony Brown and and Scott Wise Mental. Yeah. Um, especially with, with Tony, um, yeah, just lo- love his, his ability to come up with new ideas. He does love a set play, and yeah. he's come up with some beauty. <laughs> sure does. And and he, he, I just like he, the way he gets his his players to play with such confidence and freedom. Mm. And he really does get his players to move, you know, get the teams to, to play with such good ball movement as we saw with Japan in the World Cup. Yeah. It's really pace and, and ball movement and and that willingness to give it a go. Uh, so I, I really like how he, he does that and instills that in his players. Um, and and with, with Scotty, one of the things I got from him was just his energy. Yeah. It was just, and in every session, he was just a ball of energy. 
uh, really positive and would bring it, bring the energy, and that would that would come on to us as as a, as a playing group. And so, yeah, I really like that. I mean, I, I love that. I, lo- I like watching a lot of docos and obviously any other sports you see on Netflix and things like that. I mm-hmm. really like Sean Bay, what he's been doing with the LA Rams, um, how he's instilled the, the pyramid of success that he got from John Wooden. Yeah, that, right. That kind of thing, um, getting to that. And and obviously Wayne Smith, who's, who's a legend, I've a lot to do with, but I've had a little bit of a – a little bit of time to, to pass time with him, and yeah, he's he's been great as well. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I got to say, I'm pretty excited about the uh, the new Wallabies coaching ticket uh, with Scott Wisemantle and 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 Rennie and uh, and the rest. I think it's uh, it's going to be exciting times moving forward. Yeah, there's actually just uh, another as well in terms of um, not necessarily at the professional level, but I really like the work that Magic Academy are doing in, in England. Yeah, uh, Russell Yeah, and I think that's just fantastic um, what they're doing with the youth development and it's just putting everything on about fun um, games, touches the ball and yeah. I, I really like that. So I, I got a lot of respect for what they're doing. No, it's super important and uh, yeah, I had Rusty stay with me uh, last summer and uh, Fletch was coming over in May um, for a conference that I'm organising but uh, hopefully that's still going to go ahead but yeah, definitely want to want to keep connected with those guys. They're doing awesome stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And last question: uh, Who's someone out in the grassroots that's doing really good stuff, uh, coaching uh, in in your local area that you feel deserves a, uh, some recognition? Yeah. Well, we've got a guy um, from the UK actually in our in our staff who takes under 18s called Will Morgan who right. came over last year and yeah. um, just got an outstanding attitude, real growth mindset, and. And um, we just love bouncing ideas off each other. So he helps me grow as a coach as well. I get him to watch my sessions and give me a bit of feedback. And cool. we have every Friday afternoon at 2 o'clock, we have a session. We go into one of the meeting rooms and we set the timer for 20 minutes and, and just, just kind of talk ideas, things we've learned during the week and try and come up with something a little bit different, a little bit funky for the week afterwards. And he, he's been really great for that. Um, you know, we've got a GoPro that we use and to give feedback to each other and yeah, I just I just really like he's got a he's really big on just developing the the guys in his team as as young you know young as players and, and young men as well. So it's it's great to see. Uh, that's awesome, and I think I think that stuff all coaches could do is is form relationships and and have you know regular contact with coaches in their community and and try and make each other better. So so that's awesome. Yeah, it's it's actually one of the things I try and do as much as possible. I've got a co- couple of coaches back home in New Zealand who ITM Cup guys, and we try and have Skypes as much as possible. We've got a few organised already for the lockdowns. Yeah, yeah. The great way to, to grow and to develop and, and just keep in contact. Yeah, cool. All right, Kendrick, it's been awesome having you on the show. I've really enjoyed the chat. There's been some great stuff right up right up my alley in terms of uh, you know coaching the backs and and just your general outlook on the game. So I've really enjoyed the chat, and thanks for giving up uh, some of your your time uh, to to come on the show and uh, speak with everyone. No worries. Perfect. Cheers. This episode of the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast is proudly brought to you by Rocky Analytics. Rocky Analytics is providing significant value to teams by giving players and coaches a transparent, non-biased way of measuring player performance. Coaches and players can identify strengths and weaknesses, as well as measure performance gains and losses week to week using their analysis. Send Rocky a copy of your game and they will do the heavy lifting. Rocky is the future of sports analytics. Find out more on rocky.com, R-U-C-K-I-E.com, or look for them on LinkedIn, Twitter, or YouTube.
for listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review via iTunes and keep listening for the next episode. Also follow us via Twitter at RugbyCoachesCNR or via the website therugbycoachescorner.com. Until next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.